Welcome to The Fastest Five Minutes, presented by Kroll & Mooring. We are your co-hosts, Peter Ayer and David Robbins, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. We have a big focus on national security in the issue today, so let's go ahead and get started. We start with Huawei and ZTE, which continues this real emphasis on supply chain. So the FAR provisions came out as interim regulations back in August. We talked about those, and there is plenty of information available on the website. Here's one thing that we want to highlight. On September 9th, GSA indicated that a mass mod was forthcoming for all GSA schedule holders. And the purpose of this mass mod would to bilaterally, that's the key phrase, add those two clauses, Huawei and ZTE, which is the 5220425 prohibition on contracting for certain telecom and other services, and the Dash 70 clause, which was the representation that also goes along with Huawei and ZTE. So the mod would come out, it would be issued bilaterally, and within 60 days, contractors either had to accept the mod and provide the rep, or per GSA, it would likely move into a termination for convenience if the contractors don't accept that bilateral mod. So this is a really interesting dynamic. Industry is wrestling with it. The mass mod has only been out for very short time period and a lot of discussion going on. But this is something that a lot of contractors are wrestling with and a lot of discussion among industry in terms of how to deal with that. Comment period is still open on those interim FAR provisions and a lot of activity there as well. So certainly something that follows this trend of supply chain and the government trying to really think about how to use these provisions to monitor supply chain. David, over to you. Thanks, Peter. And back to the company that started it all, which is Kaspersky Lab. This one has a little less discussion associated with it, but earlier this month, DOD, GSA, and NASA issued their final rule prohibiting the federal government from using hardware, software, and services developed or provided in whole or in part by Kaspersky Lab and its related entities. This has been kicking around much through the same process as interim rule. Now it's final. And I think this just provides the model that Huawei, ZTE, and inevitably others will be following going forward. Moving on to executive order news and sanctions and combating terrorism, also on September 10th, the president signed EO 13224 on modernizing sanctions to combat terrorism, directing Treasury and state to target leaders of terrorist groups and any associated entities without having to tie them to specific acts of terror. So we're going to see sanctions, perhaps exclusions, as an increasingly important element of governmental policy, making them easier to issue easier to implement, and it's just one of the many things we're following in terms of sanction news. Peter, back to you. Moving on to IP. On September 12th, DOD published a notice of its intent to amend the DFARS to direct contracting officers to presume that commercial items were developed exclusively at private expense. That change really follows from an NDAA provision Lots more to follow in terms of how that's being rolled out. Expect forthcoming regulations on that. But really the key headline there is this new presumption of that link between commercial item and being developed at exclusively private expense. So that's certainly 
quite important for many of us who think about IP commercial items and selling those products into the federal government. It's really helpful to watch, right? We've seen the dynamic through the other transaction authority and elsewhere to streamline the procurement and keep IP rights where they are in industry. And this is an interesting step, as it goes forward anyway, to bring traditional FAR procurement, at least on the commercial side, more in line and perhaps more attractive for commercial enterprises. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think we will continue to see this tension between the drive toward commerciality and innovation and having industry fund that innovation with some of the government unique requirements, including where we started today, which is really trying to emphasize certain requirements throughout the supply chain. And how do you reconcile that with who pays for that and the innovation and the intellectual property? Absolutely. And different agencies treat these things differently, right? I mean, it, not making it into the podcast, there's also an EPA adjustment that sort of tweaks what's commercial, what's not, when government terms sort of rule the day, and it goes in a slightly different direction. So exactly definitely right. an interesting area. Let's do maybe claim news real fast before we close, if that works for you. So two decisions of note, one in the we probably could have seen it coming category. This one's middle last month, the ASBCA granted a contractor's claim where the board found the agency's interpretation of the contract was untenable. The party's dispute centered on whether the contractor was required to provide 24-7 staffing at a water treatment plant. Agency had said nothing about 24-7 staffing in response to questions from offerors, and the contract itself did not explicitly require round-the-clock monitoring. And, perhaps more importantly, the contractor had performed the contract for two years plus without 24-7 staffing. So the course of dealing was important here. It obviated the agency's interpretation of the contract. This one, if anyone wants to look it up, is Floor Federal Services, LLC, ASBCA number 61093. And then, interestingly, a little later that month, on the 28th of August, in a case of first impression, Court of Federal Claims held that it lacks subject matter jurisdiction over a protest challenging the award of launch services agreements issued under the Department of Defense's prototype Other Transaction Authority. The protester, here SpaceX, challenged the Air Force's evaluation and portfolio award decisions under a solicitation for prototype OTs to facilitate and fund the development of U.S. launch systems by the awardees. SpaceX, which did not receive an award, argued that because the challenged LSA awards were expected to lead to the development of launch vehicles that would likely be offered by the awardees in a subsequent Phase two competition, the awards of the challenged LSAs were in connection with a procurement or proposed procurement, and therefore the court had jurisdiction under the Tucker Act. Well, the court disagreed, dismissed the complaint, but transferred venue to a district court to permit SpaceX to pursue its claims in a more appropriate jurisdiction if it so choose. So again, more discussion of OTAs and prototype authority and all of that and how that fits within the traditional rubric of government contracts to include protests and disputes, something we are watching very closely here. This has been The Fastest Five Minutes, brought to you by Kroll & Mooring. See you again in two weeks. And if you have any questions about these items, Peter's at 202-624-2807, and I'm 202-624-2627. Have a great two weeks. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll & Mooring LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast.